I'm pretty sure not all of you are paying attention. So Evan, with a broken right hand, played all that with his left hand. But, but, wait, that Nathan and I can match that. We're going to do these announcements only using the left hand. <laughs> so good morning. <laughs> and I'm going to keep it up. And welcome <laughs> to our 11 o'clock service on this, the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. It's good to be together in God's house. Uh, welcome to those of you in person, the many more we know who are joining us online. Welcome to you who are new or visiting with us. We're just super honored that you have come. And uh, we'd love to get acquainted. If you uh, yeah, write down an email address or number I can text you or something, there's a QR code on the back of the bulletin. There's an attendance pad that you can pass. Give us a little information. I'd love to reach out to you and begin to uh, talk, befriend one another. That would be an absolutely great thing. So thank you in advance for that. My name is James Howell. I'm one of the uh, left-handed pastors here. <laughs> and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Nathan Arledge. What a joy it is to gather in this space together and continue to grow in our faith. Um, one of the things about faith is about hospitality and about welcome. And at 1215 today in room 103, current greeters and ushers, and if you've ever thought about becoming a greeter and usher, can gather there to celebrate hospitality, gather and learn people's names, update policies, and learn to welcome newcomers and all who gather in our space. That is good and a joyful thing. Also on September 13th at 11 a.m. in rooms 104 and 105, there's going to be a conversation on resources for navigating difficult times. We've all probably encountered difficult times in our lives. It might be nice to have that within who we are, to journey those spaces together, um, journey those as we continue our, in our growth in faith. And lastly, um, a prayer walk, a prayer walk over at Meadows at Plato Price. That's September 20th from 8 to 9 a.m. We'll go through in various stations and pray with and for the guests and the neighbors who will be there um, that are becoming a part of our church family as we help build those homes for that community. Now let us continue to build our faith together as we worship God. Your door. 
let us continue to praise God by affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed found on 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, it is our great privilege to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism this morning. Uh, Katie and Joey DiCamillo bring their son, John Boniface, and Diane and Scott Gerbero bring their son, Connor Robert, if you'd come forward. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated in Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. So friends, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sin? If so, say we do. Do you confess Christ as your Savior, put your trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say we do. And will you nurture your children in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, profess their faith openly, and lead a Christian life? If so, say we will. And will you, the members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, include these families now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? Will you surround these families with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them, that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? If so, say we will. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. When you saw your people as captives in Egypt, to deliver them through the sea, their children you brought into the promised land through the Jordan. In the fullness of time, you sent your son Jesus, who was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And he calls on his disciples to share on the baptism of his death and resurrection. Pour out your Holy Spirit now to bless this gift of water and those who receive it. 
to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in your final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. John Boniface de Camilla, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And Connor Robert Gerbero, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Therefore, let your light so shine before others that you may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Children of God, as you grow in age, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice to welcome you to the family of God. And now may we unite our hearts and our voices as we offer unto God our prayer of confession. Let us pray. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts with generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 13, beginning with the eighth verse. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this sentence. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what hour it is, how it is full time now for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery, debauchery and lasciviousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of God for the people of God. We read scripture every Sunday. We believe there's some power in that, that that's God's creative word that can uh, change things. We're getting ready to give Bibles to our third graders. They're excited. I'm excited. We have uh, the sacrament of baptism today. We believe there's some power in that, that God acts in that in um, a special way. We believe these things about God's word and sacraments. I have some uh, relatively new um, evidence of this. I'd like to share with you. It occurred to me last Sunday there were some people so kind as to trash talk me because uh, my hometown Gamecocks got creamed <laughs> by the North Carolina Tar Heels. And some even went on to say they're going to play Duke later and they'll cream them too. I'm like, well, okay, thank you. And then some even said their quarterback, Drake May, he's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I am rooting for Drake May to win the Heisman Trophy. Do you know why? The reason is Drake May, you may not know this, is a baptized United Methodist. (laughs) And he's not just any baptized United Methodist. He was baptized with these very (laughs) hands. And I've been watching the dude play. He's really good. I can, I think I can detect my influence. On him. And nobody's called to thank me for this. <sighs> Sometimes there's a Bible verse that uh, it becomes sort of the tipping point. Some other people don't know Bible, but some verse just really resonates and everything's different from then on. Romans 1.17, uh, that worked for Martin Luther. It worked for John Wesley, founder of Methodism. For me, it was uh, where Jesus says to those fishermen, follow me. Some people wanted to find this uh, tipping point Uh, do this thing where they open the Bible at random and whatever it comes to, like, that's going to be God's Word. I would encourage you not to attempt this. Because one, you could get crazy stuff, but then also, you know, St. Francis, before he was St. Francis, uh, did this. He went to the priest at the San Nicolo Church in Assisi, 
and said, uh, Father, open the Bible at random, and whatever it lands on, that, that is what I will do. So he opened the Bible, and it said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And Francis thought, what choice do I have? So he did that. <laughs> Augustine, before he became St. Augustine, I had the same sort of thing happen. Uh, he was in agony in his life. He'd had sort of a successful career, but he was out of sorts with God, and his life was a mess. And he was visiting a friend named Olypius, and he was out in Olypius' garden one night. He was just, just miserable. He couldn't figure things out, felt so hollow inside. He's almost in tears, and he hears a voice. And it sounds like a child next door. And the voice says, pick it up and read it. Pick it up and read it. And he's saying, pick up what? And he looks, and there's a Bible. So he picks up the Bible and opens it at random, and it comes to this passage that Scott just read for us. Here's what moved Augustine. It is time to wake from sleep, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. Uh, Paul here and in other places and other things in the Bible, they, they use this waking up as an image, right? Uh, this is as if we're, we're sleepwalking out there, right? We, we have sort of a dream world. We're drowsy. We, we have this the sleepiness that we sort of prefer. And, and the Bible's always saying, wake up, wake up, wake up to God, wake up, wake up to God, awakening. Uh, part of my um, How to Be Spiritual series is going to be based on that. How do we wake up to God's presence? How do we understand that if we wake up to God, that we can discover our true self, which is cooler and more joyful than our old self? How do we wake up to the power of God? I was reading the other day, Tim Keller this great conservative evangelical, died recently, brilliant man, uh, was assessing all the uh, sort of truisms of American culture that they just seem self-evident to us, but they actually aren't part of the Bible or the gospel. And his list included things like, you got to be true to yourself. You're free to live as you choose. Do what makes you happy. Everyone has a right to decide right and wrong. And Keller points out, this stuff's not in the Bible, and it's actually not that good for you because you were actually made not to be do the happiest thing and do what you think is cool. You were made for God. You were made for God. Your life is joyful when it's about doing God's will. It is all for God. The word came to me this week, deferential. We're invited to be deferential to God. And the more I'm deferential to God, then I become awakened to other people. And the more I'm awakened to other people, then I learn to be deferential to other people. <laughs> I was remembering this week when my son Noah was growing up. I was trying to teach him how to be a good guy. It was, it was you know, it's, all, all parents have these challenges. I'm trying to teach him to be gracious and so on. So I'd say, uh, hold the door for someone else, or don't eat the last biscuit, or whatever. One day he pushed back. He said, Dad, it's manners things are making me crazy. I can't remember all these rules. There are just too many rules. I said, son, there is one rule, and the one rule is always defer to the other person. That's why you hold the door. That's why you don't eat the last biscuit. It's why you yield your seat to someone else. Always defer to the other person. That sounds like good manners, but it's actually a profoundly Christian way to live. Paul says, what do we owe? We, we owe love. We owe love. We put on the Lord Jesus 
It's all about love. And something I've been wondering this week is if this Bible passage could have uh, some power in and among us, and especially in what it names as quarreling and jealousy. I would hazard to say that uh, we Americans lead the world in quarreling and jealousy. <laughs> I just think we're really good at those two things. And could anything happen? Now, here's, here's a peek inside my sermon preparation. Weeks ago, I saw that this was the passage for the, for the day, and I saw the quarreling and jealousy thing, and then I saw that Paul says, it is time to wake. It is time to wake. And my mind went to the word woke. And I said, I'm going to preach on woke. Then I said, oh, I better not do that. <laughs> but then I heard a voice, maybe it was God, saying, chicken. <laughs> and I love you too much not to talk about something that really matters and uh, dogs all of us. Uh, so stay with me on this woke. What a word in our culture. Uh, the woke people, they're very proud of being woke. And the other half of America think they're idiots for being woke. It becomes a slur, right? Oh, woke, and so on. A candidate for president the other day said that wokeness is a virus more dangerous than any pandemic. And I get it. What happens is half of America looks at the other half of America, and sometimes it's within families. This happens. Cousins look at each other, siblings, neighbors, former friends. They look at each other and they think, how could you be so unenlightened? And the others look back and say, how can you be so ignorant? You're just getting carried away with things. It's just absurd what you're doing. And they just talk back and forth past one another. And there's no um, love in there. There's a lot of blame. There's very little action to change the world. There's no love. Paul says what is due is love. And in church, we learn how to love, or as Jim Wallace put it, I love the way he thinks about this. He says, sometimes we make the mistake of trying to find common ground. He said, but love isn't finding common ground, it's finding higher ground. How can we find higher ground on these things? So let me tiptoe into some um, delicate issues, if you'll stay with me. Last weekend's Wall Street Journal uh, read in there about Tina Deskovich. Tina Deskovich is one of the leaders of Moms for Liberty. She said her child came home from school and had a wanted poster. And the poster said, wanted Christopher Columbus for crimes against humanity. This had made her crazy. It made me a little crazy, although it reminded me, parenthetically, of when my children were in school, they'd bring home, home stuff from school. Every one of my children, at some point, brought a spelling list for the week home from a teacher with misspelled words. <laughs> like, come on! This made me apoplectic. <laughs> Noah comes home from Myers Park High School one day, and he says, our teacher was lecturing on the Emperor Constantine. I thought, I didn't hear about that in high school. What was that about? And basically, she had regurgitated all this Da Vinci Code stuff, like the, Jesus was nobody, but then Constantine came along in the fourth century, they faked all the Gospels, and, and, and like, why is he hearing this at Marge Park High School? It just made me apoplectic, again. So I've been thinking about the Christopher Columbus wanted for crimes against humanity. I hope this is okay to say, but I think it's true. We could as easily say wanted Moses and Joshua for crimes against humanity. Why? 
if Moses hadn't brought those Israelites to the promised land, and if Joshua hadn't taken them into the promised land, we wouldn't have this mess that we have now in the Middle East, would we? You see, what happens is we get on two sides of things. Half of America think it's all about achievement, and we're not worried about these things that are in the past. People do great things, and we, there, there should be no, no dark marks on them. And then the others are like, oh, the people of the past were terrible. They were terrible. We know in the church, don't we, that it's always both. All great people in history have some dark shadow side. Every achievement in your life. You do something good, but inside you, there's some darkness. You might even hide from it yourself and not be aware. This is human nature. And we know this. Part of the point of the movie Oppenheimer, I think. Here's the next thing. <clears throat> In the wake of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, as I say that, I can feel you getting very nervous. And I'm a little nervous. Here goes. I brought this up to a friend the other day and said, that's political. You shouldn't talk about that church. I can't think of anything more profoundly theological than life, life in the womb, the gift of life. I thought about it this week. Is there some higher ground we can come to so that we can love instead of just quarreling with one another? It occurs to me I've never met anybody who's for abortion. Have you ever met anybody like that? Oh, I'm for abortion. Abortion, that's a great thing. We need more abortion. <laughs> Nobody says that. It's always a, a tragic thing, isn't it? And how shall I say it, Christians, based on the Bible and everything else, we have great cause, don't we, to be pro-life. I mean, without the venom and the judgment, but we have good cause to be pro-life. We think of God as the creator of life. God is the giver of life. Psalm 139, oh, Lord, you knit me together in my mother's womb. My God's just so pro-life. The gospel begins, what, when God takes on flesh in his mother Mary's womb. Your life began when you took up residence, tiny, vulnerable. Nobody knew you were there yet in your mother's womb. So we have good cause to be pro-life, but then something that I've been trying to figure out this week and nobody has answered me yet is can't that be consistent with the idea that this still is a decision that a woman's got to make between herself and God. I don't see why those two can't be held together. And actually, as a church, I don't think we're called on to adjudicate that so much as maybe high, having a higher goal and a higher purpose. And what would that higher purpose be that we're to work on in the church? And I think it's just to recognize, like, you know this, but we never do anything. It's that we live in such a highly sexualized culture. I mean, it's just, we just take it for granted because we see it all the time. But it's on TV, it's on commercials, it's on billboards, it's in novels. It's just everywhere. Highly sexualized culture. We just kind of sleepwalk through it like, there it is. Maybe God is asking us to create a different kind of culture that is not primarily sexualized, a culture where young people could grow up and actually believe us if we tell them that intimacy is a beautiful gift from God. Pleasure is a precious gift from God. You lose its value if you fritter it away here or there. And then as my wife loves to say, we care about life in the womb. Her question is always, do we care about life after 
birth, right? What do we do? We want children to be born. What do we do with them when they're born, when they're out, when they're growing up? I'm pretty sure of this, though, is that outlawing abortion or hanging on to the right to choose, neither of those will change hearts or people's behavior. Did you hear me? Can outlaw abortion? You can cling to the right to choose. Neither of those will change hearts. And we're in the changing hearts business. That's just what we do. Violence is easier to talk about. I mean, you have gun violence. One of the things that I sort of hate is that when people talk, why do we have gun violence? Uh, the, the right answer is to say that there's more than one reason. There are many reasons. And I think that afflicts us because then I think, well, we just can't do anything at all because there's more than one reason. But the fact is we could tackle a few things. I mean, one is this. I think about as a Christian, what's our obligation here? Um, another thing we take for granted is not just our highly sexualized culture, but also there's just guns and shootings everywhere. I mean, it's hard to watch a TV show without somebody shooting somebody. It's hard to go to a movie without somebody shooting somebody. And what I just wonder, and people complain about it, but what I wonder is if all the Christians in America you're watching TV and somebody shoots somebody and you turn the TV off or you're in a movie and somebody shoots somebody and it might be a movie that you dig but you just say we're walking out of here if we did that they would not serve it up to us they only serve it up to us because we have a taste for it we'll hang in through it because the next commercial is coming right <laughs> We could do something there. Let's talk about race. Race. I'm trying to find a higher way. Not how do we find common ground. I don't know how to find common ground between, you have these two schools of thought, right? You have those who say, I'm not racist. We need to move on. Like all those racial issues, like that's in the past. We need to move on. They could even quote somebody like John Lewis, black congressman from uh, Georgia who said look at all the progress that we have made we've made so much progress you got those people and then people on the other side it's just all about white guilt and white shame and they're white people saying this white people are just so terrible I know this by the way <laughs> my african-american friends when they hear about white shame and white guilt it to them is so exhausting they just can't stand it I wonder if there's higher ground. And the way I'm defining the higher ground for me is with a Bible verse that I'm using uh, in my How to Be Spiritual series. It's in Psalm 139. The psalmist says, Lord, search me and know my heart and see if there be anything that is awry in me. So when it comes to race, I want humbly to say that to God, Lord, search me. Is there anything in me that is awry? It wouldn't be surprising if there were, no matter how much I've worked on this. I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, and then I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina in the 50s. <laughs> There's probably something rattling around in there, and I'll just say, God, could you please cure that? We also can say not just, is there racism in me, but is there racism in our world? Uh, that's an easy one to answer. The answer is, of course there is. And we can just ignore it and say, well, I'm not racist. That's, uh, that's over there somewhere. We have a responsibility to God's children to try to rectify these things and make life better 
For all of us, we have that responsibility. A little bit closer to home, this question occurred to me this week. You say, racism in me, racism out there. What about in my immediate circle? Is there anything tinged with racism in my business? Is there anything tinged with that in my family's habits? Word, search me, search us. Higher ground. Uh, I'll close with this. Augustine, he became St. Augustine. He became probably our greatest theological teacher ever. And the thing that he understood better than any Christian who had come before was the grace of God, the grace and mercy of God, which is everything. Although the way we live our lives with other people, there's not much grace or mercy. Is there? I was on a panel the other day. There were five of us. I was sitting in the middle somehow. It was a panel on uh, different religions. And uh, one of the questions that came to our groups that was coming my way is uh, the moderator said, tell us about your religion's understanding of redemption. So the first guy said, when I mess up, God forgives me. And the next guy said, is a little better. He said, when I mess up, if I repent and try to do something to make it better, then God forgives me. So then it came to me, and I said, you know, my problem is not that I mess up sometimes. My problem is I am a mess. And you too, I love you, but you know it's the truth. You too are a mess. You do good things. You dress up and came to church today. I'm so happy to see you. It's a great thing. But inside somewhere, like, we're just a mess. We, we buy all those American lies. We'll just do what makes you happy. You can decide right and wrong. You can say angry at the other half of America. Like, we're just a mess inside. We don't know how to love. We pass judgment way more easily than we, than we love. We do all these things. We're a mess. We need the mercy, the grace of God. And I said on that panel, I have another M problem. It's not just that I'm a mess. It's that I'm also uh, mortal. In my circle, we've had too many deaths lately of people that are too young. Although, they're always too young, aren't they? Lisa's grandmother died at 96, and some fool church member said to me, I'm not so bad, she was 96. I said, I'm sorry, we loved her. We miss her. She was a fixture in our world. We were not ready to lose her. It's always too young, and, and if, we, if we buy into what Tim Keller is diagnosing, that in our world, you just you know, do, do what you think is right, do what makes you happy, that when you die, the only thing that's left, right, is like you died, and then people just after you, maybe if you're lucky, they have a party, and they tell stories about you and say, wow, James, he was a great guy. Oh, Susie, she was, she was cool. We really dug her. Isn't that, isn't that right? And then we'll miss you, and then they'll miss you for long because <laughs> time moves on. We see with God, it's different because we do believe that God knit me, you, together in our mother's womb, and that God loves us beyond all imagining and is never done with us. It's never done. God never wants to let us go. God will not let us go. God's never done with God's relationship with us. God, God's persistent. It's God. And that's the mercy and grace of God, and, it's, and, it's, and that's, that's the good reason, isn't it? 
to awaken to the reality of God. That's the reason to defer to God. That's the reason to awaken to other God's creatures and to defer to them. That's the reason, isn't it? To love. To love. <laughs> and it's such a joy and such a privilege. Thanks be to God. Let us continue in prayer. All loving God, we give thanks to be gathered as a worshiping community today. We give thanks that our church family extends both within these walls, but also to all those connected virtually. We give you thanks for the ways that you have guided your church through so many changes so that we can stay connected to wrestle with hard topics to seek higher ground together, and above all, to worship you. We see that your goodness and your mercy is all around us. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, as our school years are underway, we lift up our students and ask blessings on their years. May they be reminded that their belovedness is determined by your love and immeasurable grace God, and not by grades, athletics, friendships, or extracurriculars. May our students experience love and peace and grow closer to you this year. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, even in this place of worship, we admit that it is hard to quiet our minds and be present with you. We want to grow closer to you. We want to hear you. But help us, help us to quiet our minds, to slow down and learn to see you in the world around us. We lift all of our anxieties and our burdens and our grief, and we lay them at your feet, O oh Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as we bring before you our own sorrows, we are aware that those are there are those among us who are suffering. We especially lift up the families of Theodore Sharpenstein and Phyllis Spear as they mourn their earthly losses. May you be a companion to their grief in these times. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we are reminded that even in grief there is so much hope and life all around us. Let us remember the joy of our togetherness as we pray the prayer your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we prepare for our offering, I want to give thanks. Uh, we just celebrated our kickoff Sunday. We had all of our Sunday school starting, and the church was packed with people. People had a hard time finding parking, which is a great problem to have in a church on a Sunday. Um, we are so grateful for your generosity and the ways in which you have continued to allow this to be a place where people gather and grow closer to God, whether it be through Sunday school, small groups, or young adult ministries. We're so grateful for you.
we know that all that is good comes from you. We offer these gifts out of our love. Help them be a part of our mission to seek higher ground as your church together. In Lord's name we pray. Amen. grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.